Hello, and welcome to episode 90 of the What We've Watched podcast. My name is Chris. And Samit. And this week, top five films of 1990. Woohoo! Insert the cue the music! Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, we, we talked about this last week mm-hmm. and whatnot. We sort of previewed what we were going to be doing. We've been doing our uh, these uh, top five, th- these decade-based top fives yeah. um, for a while now, since... Um, 40s, mm-hmm. which we started episode 40, right? Obviously associated with the episode number that corresponds. Um, and uh, as we explained yes last week, I was say, as we explained yesterday, as we explained <laughs> last week, um, we for the 90s we are going to be doing one for each year mm-hmm. um, because uh, you know basically um, it's a decade that we know really really well. We saw many many movies at the time. Um, we were of an age that we were you know going to the theater and actually seeing a lot of movies as they came out yeah and as well as seeing stuff on video and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i mean and you know being that age and stuff yeah. you know we weren't really doing a lot of other we didn't have a lot of other sort yeah. of like um commitments to you know adult life yeah um early high school years yeah high school a is, lot of free time and, in your hands and, you know i mean you were working a fair bit in, uh, in the, not at this in the later teens. Yeah, yeah, later teens, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, not not 1990, but like, I'm just talking about the 90s in general. I just had my, I had my paper route. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just talking about 90s in general, yeah. you know. Um, but but other than that, you know, we didn't really have any sort of uh, real um, commitments, yeah. uh, you know, as most people that age. So, you know, we were able to see more movies than mm-hmm. we probably are nowadays um it's in, it started getting to an age where we could make our own decisions about the kind well of that's the thing we it, it wasn't see. like a family based thing yeah. it wasn't like oh the family's going out to a movie it yeah. was just like hey we got some time let's go to a movie yeah, yeah. you know summer matinee that uh, kind of stuff yes yeah, yeah. a lot of summer matinees a lot of that sort of thing so uh yeah we're doing obviously for the 80s we did it a two-part thing where we mm-hmm. did the early 80s on one and the second uh, second half of the 80s on the second part yeah because um, you know again that's kind of like we were sort of kids in the 80s kind of so you know we did see a lot of stuff yeah. from there because we also also retrospect retroactively yeah like in the sort of early 90s we were still seeing a lot of like yeah. 80s stuff on video and stuff so you know that was kind of getting up there and then the 90s is where it really exploded mm-hmm. um, so yeah uh, we are so we're doing um, the next kind of batch of episodes we're doing these um, year by year um, as kind of like a build up to the big episode 100, you mm. know, pretty huge milestone for, for us. Mm. Um, Who would have ever thought that we would make it this far? Um, ah, yeah. I mean, we well, just keep doing it. Yeah. Well, we just, we, we both keep showing up every week, so it just keeps happening. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't really a hugely yep. calculated thing. It was no. more just kind of like, well, let's try this and then mm-hmm. let's try this. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of our introduction there, and uh, yeah. So this week uh, we're starting out with uh, 1990. Uh, 1990s, um, kind of interesting because it's like just sort of looking through it. It was for me, it was very. Um, it still kind of felt very much like the 80s. Yeah, like well, it didn't a lot of the films I liked out of the 90 out of 1990, I did see post 1990. Uh, they, they were a, a lot of like retroactively. I really like these films. I'm not sure I saw most of these films during the ninety or during 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of them wasn't even aware of till much later. Yeah. Um. Well, that's all right. But uh, we're not doing it based on yeah. what you thought yeah, were the best ones it's just, at just the just time. We're doing it based like, on knowing what it comes out later in the nineties. 
you can much more easily say, oh, yes. I probably saw... Not only did I see all these films that year, yeah. I probably saw them all in the theater. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, yeah, like when you get up into like... <laughs> later know, 90s the, and the stuff. Mid, mid yeah. 90s and mm-hmm. later 90s. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, and it is a nice... It's an, it is doing this uh, year by year is a it really... I think great way to trip down memory lane. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say it's, it's build, a, build a neat, nice trip down memory lane, and a very like allows us to be very focused on films that, well, stuff that wouldn't normal wouldn't wouldn't get talked about otherwise. Basically, they, films that would have to fall into a very specific top five mm-hmm. categories. Yeah, like these films. Some of these films would definitely not make like a decade if we were doing this as a yeah, decade. Yeah, and the whole it. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but. You know, it, but on the other hand, there are certain years where there was like so many classics in that one year that it's it was. Nineteen ninety wasn't a difficult year, but there are some years coming up that are uh, going to be real hard. Ninety wasn't too hard for me, but I did find that there I had to leave out a few things, which I mean I'm interested to see sure. what's on your list. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because as usual, I, I don't know your list either, but um, there was a few things I had to leave out that are movies that I really enjoy. But that I kind of was like, well, strictly speaking, they're not technically like the greatest movies. Like they're very sort of flawed, uh-huh. but like I enjoy them mm. for what they are. Um, so they're the kinds of things that in a wider scope, they might have made it onto a list or they might be like uh, even honorable mentions yeah. due to the, just due to my enjoyment of them. But I kind of had to bump them from the list because I was like, well, I got to stay focused here mm-hmm. and just do the ones that I think are genuinely good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I had a little trouble with 1990 in that sense, like not too much trouble in that it was pretty easy to decide which ones were my top ones, mm-hmm. but just the fact of having to let go of some stuff that I do really enjoy, mm-hmm. but that I was just like, Oh, so yeah. Um, and then, you know, I've, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> that's a lot of, um, but then, you know, I've I've taken a quick, like, I haven't finalized any of my other lists, but I've taken a quick look forward a little bit. And, yeah, like you say, like, there are other ones where, you know, some years it's just kind of like, well, you know, I would never talk about this if it wasn't for having to fill this year out. Mm-hmm. And then other years are like, holy crap, this year is actually genuinely hard to do because there's so many, like, classics in that one year. Um, so, yeah, it's it, mm-hmm. it varies a bit. So, uh, before we go in here, crossover predictions. Um, I'm gonna say two. Okay. Yeah. I'm going a little higher than usual. I, I usually go one, but I'm gonna say two, unless you left one off for a very specific reason. But that'll probably come up when either of okay. us has okay. it. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we. Yeah. That's. Uh, but uh, I am. I am. I am curious as to to. To, to what's what's on. Yeah. I also feel um, I was safe to leave a particular movie off my list because I'm pretty sure it's on yours. Uh, but it's like fair. it was something that was fighting for number five anyway. So okay, you that's know. fair. Yeah. Um, well, 1990. I mean, that's we hadn't met yet. So exactly. Yeah. That's that's that, that's uh, that's a weird kind of yeah outside yeah. of thing. Uh, I that'll be interesting. Um, as our list, as we go through these episodes, <laughs> the, the, when the we converge into the mid nineties, when we started hanging out all the time, all, yeah, we yeah. saw a lot of movies together, yeah. or yeah. like with you know, the, or like with friends my, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we went to a few like with my dad. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. in the sort of like mid, like around ninety four, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, your dad would drive us in that big gold 
Yeah. Big gold boat. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, so my number five yes. is um, the most Odd- recent movie. Oddly not from 1990. Not it's yeah, weird. It's to- totally strange. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> uh, the most recent film I have seen from 1990. Okay. Uh, so it's something that you hadn't seen back I had in the not day. seen. You saw it recently. Didn't even knew it existed okay. probably well into the 2000s. Okay. Um, and that is Miller's Crossing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We did an episode on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so we did. So I don't need to say a ton about this. No, nope, uh, um, Brothers film. Unless you have anything else that uh, follow-up comments or like, stuff you didn't thought of at the time. Absolutely. I mean, as great. you mentioned the podcast, we both absolutely love this film. Yeah, yeah. And it is definitely a film I will go back and rewatch, and I will recommend push on people who have not yeah, seen it. It's a really good, um, uh, like, yeah. uh, traditional. Yep kind of gangster movie well semi-traditional you know it's got the, the Coen Brothers kind of uh, I love gangster movies twist to it excellent but. excellent story great plot great yeah. dialogue great music mm-hmm. beautifully filmed mm-hmm. uh, just super enjoyable just yeah. like top to bottom super enjoyable um, yeah my experience with it was some- A- amazing cast yeah my experience with it was somewhat similar in that um, you know I didn't see it back in the day but um, obviously I saw it a bit mm-hmm. before you but um I uh, it did take me many many years, um, and yeah, same here. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it until the two thousands, um, and uh, for me, it was just a case of I'd always heard about it, but the opportunity to see it had never arisen because, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day, it was like unless you saw it in like the video store or like you were able to find it somewhere, you didn't really see it. Um, so what I how I saw it was that I, I may have told the story mm-hmm. in our episode, but um, my boss at the time his brother owned it on DVD and he was like, he kept recommending it to me. And I was like, well, I, I haven't had, I haven't seen it because I never actually gotten a hold of a copy. And he was like, Oh, I'll borrow my brother's DVD and you can borrow it and watch it. And so I did. And uh, yeah, it was really good. So yeah. Yeah. No, no. So well, don't uh, need to say it. Yeah. About that, yeah apo- yeah. Apologize for those who, who like the more in depth things, but just go back to the episode. Yeah. We did an episode on Miller's crossing. Uh, and uh, yeah. Insert episode number we, here. We said, it, we said about, about all yeah. we could probably say about it at the yeah. time. Yeah, no, uh, we, we got we got pretty in depth. It's one of, like if you like anything the Coen Brothers do, yeah, uh, and especially if you like um, like that gangster era mm. period piece stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is an amazing example of that, yeah. and it, it's it, it like just it will not disappoint if you like any of that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. All right, so number five for you. All right, so my number. <clears throat> wow. Uh, so my number five. Um, so my number five is a um, return appearance from a filmmaker that quite prominently featured in our last de- last decade top- based off oh, of okay. the yeah. second half of the 80s. Uh, in fact, so prominently so that um, this particular filmmaker actually had two films on my list on that one. Oh, okay. On that one list, oh. uh, which I tied together mm-hmm. um, just because... I couldn't decide between them. They're like so close together and they're just like, well, they're both classic and I can't really decide. Um, And what's crazy is that the, all three, the two that I had on my ladies list and this one are all in three (laughs) subs, like consecutive years. Yeah. Shows you kind of what kind of role this, this particular uh, director was on at the time. Um, So the, the films from the eighties I was talking about, um, it was Beetlejuice and Batman, of course. Um, the director is Tim Burton. And <coughs> the 1990 film is Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I Edward um, 
I, I just think suspicion this was going to be on your list. Where Beetlejuice and Batman were like really near the top of my 80, late 80s list, um, this one is number five because for me it's like on like kind of like a one kind of tier down. It's not sort of one of my most favorite Tim Burton movies, but it's still kind of up there in the kind of that real classic era. Like he had that really impressive run. And especially them being like all three like in a row, like literally like 88, 89, 90. 90 yeah. Like that is pretty amazing. Like have three like classic movies like that all in a row. To, like to, year it's like quite three the three years in a row. I mean And they're and, not like small movies no, either. Yeah. Like Beetlejuice Batman, like and even all, Edward Scissorhands and like all, a lot of production. And all value, to one degree of, or another, very well regarded yeah. for what they did, yeah. you know. Uh yeah. No. Um I, so this was, you know, you get um uh you know, Winona Ryder's back from, mm. from Beetlejuice. Um, this is the first uh, movie with uh, Tim Burton did with Johnny Depp. So that kind of started like a major, you know, kind of pretty legendary <laughs> collaboration of, mm-hmm. you know, them doing like so many movies together. Um, of course, uh, we got, again, um, you know, the classic Danny Elfman music. Um, you know, they, they work together on almost every movie. Um and uh, yeah, it's just got that like little kind of storybook, fairy tale ish kind of quality that I always like in movies. Um, you know, I mean, I wouldn't want that all the time, but it's like a nice little uh, breath of air every so mm-hmm. often. Um, and I, I like the twist of the fact that it's it has that kind of like storybook fairy tale quality, but yet it's sort of contemporary as well. Like it's not it's not in some fantasy no, world no, it's, it's just like it's, that, it's um, suburbia you know it's that and he and we've sort of seen that from him and from other sort of people since then um uh there's another guy I can't, his name now he's one of the with the initials guys who does and it's like that faux contemporary where it's like yeah like some what? stuff seems kind of 50s ish some stuff seems 70s ish yeah yeah, yeah, but it's, yeah yeah but technically it's 1990 yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah no for sure um and uh, sort of like it's almost like um you could say like uh modern day norman rockwell yeah yeah like that, yeah, that like well, yeah, exactly, morphism yeah, of that, that whole kind yeah. of you know the suburban mm-hmm. you know the the quiet suburban street and then blah blah you know um but uh yeah i mean i like how it has sort of it uses a lot of influences from things that probably would have been influential on tim burton uh like um there's a f- element of a frankenstein i mean kind it's, of it's story there's very close to almost being like a a like a small retelling there's of frankenstein of in like ways. A, there's like a pinocchio kind yeah, of yeah, element also yeah with you know edward is like mm. he's he's been built rather than born and mm. and he sort of wants to be a real person mm-hmm. but he doesn't really understand what that really means and He's kind of he's very sort of like naive and innocent mm-hmm. because he hasn't had any actual life experience, mm-hmm. so he's easily like seduced, mm-hmm. not literally, but like he's, yeah. he's easily kind of influenced. Like, he's influenced and swayed to yep. like do things that are are bad things or, yeah. or things that you wouldn't normally do because he doesn't know. You know, he, he's he, he's he has that innocence, yeah. Um, which you know, again, that's very like Pinocchio. You know, yeah. so so there's like an element of that. There's an element of like the Frankenstein story. Um, you know where where you know like you know they're the, the the villagers are you know turn against you because they think you're dangerous and stuff and you know but it's not your fault because he was just built you know um just so it's just a lot of all those kind of things rolled into one um it, it's uh it just feels like a lot of um it's kind of timber and kind of putting all his like influences right because i mean like he like he loves that kind of like old classic horror kind of stuff 
like you know the Frankenstein kind of thing, you know, universal thing. Um, but he also like he started out working for Disney, so there's that that Disney you know influences obviously um, very mm-hmm. much there and stuff. So yeah, um, it's just it's enjoyable. Um, Did you see this like close to? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was because I was a big fan. Like I already was aware of like who Timber was because I saw Bill just like when it was pretty new. Mm. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but I saw it like basically as soon as possible after that. I did see Batman in the theater. Yeah. Um, and I also saw like like Pee Wee's Big Adventure when I was a kid too. Right. So yeah. which was his first movie, um, which was on like my honorable mentions on the late eighties list because mm. I was like, well, I can't have three Tim Burton movies. Um, but yeah. Um. Because Edward Scissorhands was one that I did not see till much, much, much later. Like yeah. probably late nineties. Oh yeah. Might have been even later than that. Like no, it, it was always it was always like uh, yeah, that's the movie with the guy with the hands with the scissors. Like yeah. I knew I by the time I saw it, I knew so much about it. Yeah, because no, it, it works be, better. Become a kind of a cult thing. It works it, better seeing it at a younger I, age. I kind of wish I had kind of be a little bit that childlike aspect mm-hmm. of Edward. It's like you can kind of identify with it more yeah. if you're a kid when you see it. I I enjoyed it. But it didn't. It didn't resonate with me the same way that like Batman or Beetlejuice did. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, like uh, I say, I don't put it on the same yeah. level as those. I put it kind of a step below. But it's still pretty yeah, darn good. No. Um, and like I say, you know, with I mean, Jeff, absolutely, Rotor like Rider, a, a, Diane Weist, another is also yeah. again great actress in many things and always amazing. definitely another like feather in that Tim Burton. Cap, yeah, uh, yeah. Know, like it's just from that classic run, as mm-hmm. it were. You know, so I yeah. mean. Uh, it probably goes without saying because of the sort of the nature of the, the, the him doing it. I guess Beetlejuice had a bit of this too, where it was like for kids, but also kind of spooky in some ways, and and but like like scary for kids. Like if Edward Scissorhands hadn't been like well liked and well accepted, like Nightmare Before Christmas may never have happened. Yeah, it definitely you, know? you can see elements of that, yeah. like you know, or pre pre you know, mm-hmm. bit of a, a pre figuring to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, but yeah, no. That's well, it's good. that that's whole thing of him being able to introduce those darker mm-hmm. kind of like macabre elements. Yeah, that's a good word, for but it. still yeah. keep it very, you know, relatively uh, kid kid friendly. You know, yeah. in an, in an odd sort of way. Um, yeah, it's definitely something that's mm-hmm. uh, pretty unusual kind of uh, balance to be able to mm-hmm. to pull off. Yeah. So yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, I, it's I was, one. Of the, it's like I think it's a more or less like. Universally liked film too. Generally speaking, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think anyone who didn't doesn't like it probably just sort of isn't into yeah, yeah. the kinds of things and yeah. what it is. You know, I, I, I like the, like stylistically, they maybe didn't enjoy yeah. it or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. number five. No, Edward Scissorhands. Awesome. Okay, my number four. Mm-hmm. Emmett, you need to give these people some air. <laughs> Uh, Total Recall. Yeah. The, the original Total Recall. Of course. Arnold the only Total The only Total Recall. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Uh, th- so this is one of the things I was talking about where it was like there were 1990 movies that I enjoy a lot. But, but, but not worthy of a... Sort of not good movies in a way. I 100% agree with it's you. It's kind of trash. It, but it's absolutely. But it's very entertaining. It's trash that I love to watch. It's very entertaining. I, for the quality of this film mm-hmm. and like the... I mean, I mean, at its heart, it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, bears, and I don't know who it's unfortunate for, the title <laughs> of a rather interesting story by Philip K. Uh, yeah. yeah, Philip K. Dick. Originally, uh, yeah. Which this movie I, has absolutely almost I, nothing to do with. <laughs> I can remember it for you wholesale. That's, yeah, that's the name that. of the story. Um, 
it's based uh, on yeah based on in big quotations <laughs> um it, which it's it's like part action movie part spy movie uh you know they go to mars it's got i mean it yeah. just comes short of al- having aliens in it it's uh as 14 year old chris it, it was it is really like it, everything it's in the a kitchen over sink the top in there. just yeah. yeah throw everything uh, in and it is exists purely as just like entertainment yeah and i have seen it far more times than a movie of kind of this quote-unquote quality probably yeah. deserves to be seen but it's fun every um, time i well you know yeah. i i mean i i think i feel like you know you say that but like at the same time i feel like the entertainment value justifies the rewatching, yeah regardless of its kind of objective quality like, yeah, yeah because it just has entertain it has a lot of entertainment value um you know and again i mean i would put it like being that this is like paul verhoeven yeah this this is following um Robocop, Robocop, which was so amazing, yeah. mm-hmm. and so it it does suffer somewhat in comparison to that in in a way, but also you can see where a lot of the same elements were carried forward. I mean, we even got Ronnie Cox as the is the villain again, <laughs> again like yeah, yeah. twice in a row, like yeah. and 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 you know, different but similar. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, corporate villain. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. again, he's like a big business but super evil. You know, so it, it's like literally, you know, a very similar character and doing him two in a in, row in. In some ways, much like RoboCop, um, which was a very satirical film, he's not—he's not his. His character in this is not Cohagen. Um, it's not as uptight as no. Dick Jones from from yeah, RoboCop. Yeah, no. Dick Jones is really well. Dick really Jones uptight. was like super like corporate suity yeah, kind of guy. This guy was much more like the corporate. He's like, a little looser, like thuggy corporate. Yeah, he's kind a of little looser, guy, yeah. but I mean, yeah. otherwise, it's pretty similar. Yeah. But yeah, um, it's great for that. But it's yeah, it's it's. And I definitely feel like like Arnold and in a Paul Verhoeven film is like a match made in heaven. Yeah, it's, sure, a, exactly. it's a great combination. It 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 hits all the right buttons, you yeah. know. Um, it, it just scene it's like scene after scene is just oh, this is the thing with the the head, and this is the thing with the the drill, yeah, and this yeah. is the like every scene. Iron, Michael leads, Ironside, yeah, like, Michael Ironside, Sharon Stone cast, plays yeah. just the she's just a she's horrible terrible. person. Yeah, she's terrible. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I mean, technically, this movie almost has like two Arnolds in it in some ways. Well, it has <laughs> yeah. Well, and it also is very um, like uh, it's a very kind of um, hero versus everything kind yes, of. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like there's multiple villains, mm-hmm. and there's like a whole kind of everything's kind of working towards you know. Or, or sorry, working against yeah. uh, you know our hero to a certain degree, and he doesn't have a lot. You yeah. know, he only sort of has one like real kind of ally. And, well, he's drawn even then, it's into questionable. this ridiculous uh, because of like who his, I guess, his real personality yeah, is yeah. before he was kind of overwritten by Quaid. Is uh, drawn into this like like crazy thing with this this alien reactor yeah. and the mutants oh yeah it's and the, so, so over the top it's, it's just ridiculous it, for a movie that is kind of like just straight is like you, it's, you like can't it's, it's a, the actual plot complexity is yeah. very high you, you, for a movie oh, of yeah. this style well, and there's, like, there's kind twists of like and stu- turns and that's I think what makes it so ridiculous is yeah. be, because they had to they have so many plot elements the only way to present them all was in this like amazingly over the top yeah. like non oh like, yeah it's ridiculous like no matter what happens next it only 
it its only real role is to like kind of trump what you've seen before yeah. in a way. Like you know. Yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, also, probably front to back, uh, more Arnold quotables than any of his other films. Ooh, that's a tough one because he's that's he's <laughs> you know, got a lot. But he does, yeah, it's, there, there's it's, there's a good amount in this yeah. one, but some of his other ones would definitely yeah. be contenders as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. So yeah, my number my number four, Total Recall, yeah. just a super fun film. And I know exactly what you're saying about it. How it's yeah, it's yeah. not really that great a film. Yeah, no, no, it, it's fine. To I, me, it's uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're putting yeah. it on there based on entertainment value, essentially, yeah. which yeah. is fine. Um, I just you know, yeah. it it's that thing where like you you have a certain set of stuff that you need to fit in, and yeah. you got to be kind of ruthless and decide like you got to prioritize. And in it's 2017, and I still find Total Recall. 27 years later entertaining yeah and and most people who have seen it a number of times or yeah. who like like still like it it didn't sour with age which no because it was as bad it was always as bad as it was ever gonna be exactly it couldn't really get worse yeah like so it, it everything that's is. good about it has remained it, good yeah. and yeah. everything that's bad has remained, like, remained bad <laughs> it it really encapsulates like a lot of yeah. those kind of films at the time. Well, and, 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 it, then... and it was one of the first of the sort of like, it kind of set the stage for um, the modern kind of mega mm-hmm. blockbuster type movie where you you throw like ridiculous amounts of money at it. Yeah. Massive like spe- special, special effects. effects and visual effects and, mm-hmm. you know, huge like epic, you know, um, it was kind of the what kind of started that trend to a large degree. The, the, the 90s summer blockbuster action film. Yeah, yeah like yeah. like because before that, even like big movies, like big blockbuster movies and stuff, you know, the budgets were nowhere close. Like mm-hmm. this is the where this is the beginning of like that those that triple digit those insanely, triple digit budget. Yeah. yeah, like not quite. It but was yeah, just yeah. under, but it was 1990. Yeah, but like yeah, the fact that like this was pushing you know mm-hmm. close to that hundred million budget mark. Yeah, back then you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you look at it and it's just crazy. I, mean, I, I remember that when the movie started to push that envelope, mm. and there was a lot of backlash against. Yeah, that. well, because like, people were like, it was That's such a, a lot huge of money jump, to waste and it was such film. a huge jump. Yeah, up. like in, it, in a five-year like, period, you know, movies doubled from in like price. forty to fifty to, to like a, a, you know, eighty uh, to ninety. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. And, and, so yeah, and, and then to taking us to now, where it's like you can't. Like you, you can't, can't spend you, less than a hundred million dollars. <laughs> you can't make like a bit, you know, because yeah. it's just like there's an expectation of yeah. of bigness. Yeah, you know. So yeah, mm. but uh, yeah, it, it's it's good. Backed ourselves into a it's financial true. hole. Yeah, as far in, as in a way, and, I mean, a lot of great stuff has come out of it, yeah. but there's also a downside to it too. And yeah. you know, that's a whole nother sort of topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but um, at the same time, you know you think of some of the great kind of really big crazy movies that have have come and you know they're they owe a big debt to um to uh total recall for um kind of forging that path Mm -hmm. you know so yeah yeah so my number four total recall all right cool so my number call recall recall my number four um similar sort of situation with my number five okay um it's a return appearance from a filmmaker or a director that has been quite uh, well represented in the past couple of uh, decade based top fives. Uh, had a film on both the first half of the 80s and second half of the 80s ones. Um, that's uh, in the first half, it was This is Spinal Tap, and the second half is Princess Bride. Um, and it's Rob Reiner is the director, and the film is Misery uh, from 1990. Um, another interesting thing is, is that 
while most people know that Misery was based on a Stephen King novel, um, the screenplay adaptation for the movie was written by William Goldman, who was the original author and screenwriter of The Princess Bride. Oh, so there's another neat. little... Wow, that's that's quite the connected. Another little through line. Yeah. That's definitely like one of those cases of like, oh, we worked together good on this yeah. last thing. So again, uh, as I said, a similar case to, to the number five of Tim Burton, like Rob Reiner was on a crazy uh, role at this yeah. point, having done like Stand By Me and then Prince – well, sorry – this is Spinal Tap, yeah, then Stand By Me, me. Yeah. then Princess Bride, yeah. and then, although we haven't talked about it, he did, um, in 89, he did When Harry Met Sally, which right. was, like, yeah. a huge... That uh, was a huge like, film. For, like, rom-coms, kind of, mm-hmm. like, kind of got, like, the the kind of rom-com, like... It, it, it kind of reset what rom-coms yeah, have been. Yeah, and it sort of a set of, yeah. kind of a bar that, you know, yeah. a lot of other movies have tried to go go off of, mm-hmm. um, and, then, and then doing this. Uh, which is like you know thriller or almost horror. Yeah. Um. So, um. And of course, Stand by Me had been based on Stephen King. Uh, yeah. Also, as well. Yeah. So I mean, there's a similar thing there. But that was like a sort of coming of age drama kind of thing. Uh. Whereas this is more like thriller, almost borderline horror. Yeah. Um. A Hitchcockian. Kind yeah, of, yeah. Yeah. Um. So of course, um. Kathy Bates. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh, had been com- a complete unknown prior to this, um, and just right out of the gate, did this, got huge claim, won the Oscar. Yeah. Um, basically, it started a career for her. Um, it also kind of saved uh, James Caan's career because, um, to a certain degree, because uh, his career had been kind of lagging a bit, and the part, the the, the main part that, that he plays, was offered to like a bajillion other actors. That all turned it down basically. Like there's wow. a huge long list of like big stars of that kind of the right sort of age and type that like they had to go down the list basically, and everybody was turning it down. Nobody wanted to do it, and they finally got down to James Conn, and he did it, and like he did, he was great, and it kind of you know he then went on to have reminded lot, people. Oh yeah, he got a lot of other good parts throughout the night, or maybe not necessarily the best parts, but like he got more prominent parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout the 90s you know i think probably as a result of this um you know uh uh you got to be like the main villain in an arnold schwarzenegger movie yeah, later yeah, on. You, you know maybe not the best arnold movie but <coughs> still being like the main bad guy in an yeah. arnold movie is that's a pretty big deal you know so you know he, he definitely i think got some jobs out of doing this and you know it was great because nobody had really been thinking about james Conn at this time uh, and they, like I say, they went down a huge list and finally yeah. just settled on him because they couldn't get anybody else, which is kind of a brutal way to get a job. But hey, you know, it worked. Yeah, and exactly. the thing is, is, it's not like he was not as good as any of those others. Actors it's just been. so many people. It's just that he good wasn't, value or, he yeah. wasn't really being thought of for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but once they had him, I'm sure they were quite happy with it because he did a great job. Um and yeah, I mean, pretty much. I don't really have anything special to say. It's just extremely well crafted. Um, it, it's very suspenseful, and you know, it's thrillery. It's it's a very contained thing because it's all basically in the one little house, uh, mostly yeah, in, in limited one, location, mostly in one room, because uh, you know he's 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 bedridden or you know trapped in the room for most of the movie. Um, Forcefully bedridden. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, there's the the famous hobbling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, but. Um, yeah, just bedridden while he was bedridden. Like you say, a good good comparison as you you made that sort of Hitchcock comparison. Like yeah. that's it's one of those kind of things of like the the 
very suspense and thriller driven and very sort of character create you know psychotic characters and stuff and yeah so misery behind number four awesome uh yeah i don't have a ton to say about that i not too familiar with it or i didn't really like it oh okay yeah like i i know that's a very it's a kind of a contrary opinion like it's a fine movie but it didn't like i i think it was i'm gonna totally hate on your number one uh, i think it was uh, a case of i i really like the um the characters yeah but I, the, I found this. I was uninterested in the story, hmm. and so the thriller aspect of it, I wasn't bumped, very thrilling. <laughs> exactly, I bumped against the thriller, and and I was like, wow, Kathy Bates was amazing. Yeah, too bad she was amazing in a film that I didn't really. Huh. Eh. Okay, and I, I've only seen it the one time, yeah. and I have no idea. It might straight have been like how I was feeling at the time. Yeah, um, which is. I feel unfortunate because you don't really have much you, motive, desire to see it. Well, again. it's not even that. It's more you can't watch a thriller for the first time a second time. Yeah, and so like I know how this movie ends. Right. So there's no tension. Well, no, I, I feel like <laughs> um, you know it, it's. I mean, I would definitely probably pick up on a lot of stuff yeah. that I didn't. Also, I mean, I feel like knowing how it ends, it's like well, you, I mean, it's fairly easily guessable on the basis I of the fact that what, most others kind of what some probably the reason why I didn't enjoy this movie the way I, I could have mm-hmm. is I think it was like 15 16 when I saw it and not the kind of movies I was consuming and enjoying when I was that age. yeah you were and more about Total Recall exactly, exactly <laughs> I would watch Total Recall again yeah uh, <laughs> exactly like if I had like five years later 20 early 20s I probably way more more connected. Yeah. Um, it is definitely a movie that I I do roll around in my head like I should go back and watch that. Yeah, well, I should when I'm in the know, mood for a kind of a creepy right? thriller. Yeah. The, I, the thing is, is I know I I can't lose by rewatching it because it evidently is a quality film. Yeah. So all all my 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 uh, my opinion can only be elevated by a rewatch. Well, one would so, hope. So you one, know, one would hope. Um, but um, <laughs> all right. But yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, f- I forgot that uh, Kathy Bates had won the uh, yeah the Oscar yeah. for that. Which I mean, that's amazing. Like, f- like pretty much first role out of the gate does this in not really the kind of movie that gets. Like yeah, Stephen well, King absolutely movies aren't not. Usually, yeah, exactly you know, for sure. Uh, yeah, or, just, just or of this style. just for it to get recognition. Yeah. You know, was I mean. Amazing. Stephen King movies in film are well. I mean, they're usually not that's done. That's a top five. We really need. They're to usually do. done just as kind of like a cash in. Yeah. On the I mean, Stephen you're King. All, think about it. You got, you got, you got, in, in a course of a of a decade, you have Stand by Me, Maximum Overdrive, Misery. Yeah. Those movies are so different from each other. Yeah. And guess which one <laughs> Stephen King directed himself? Yeah. Um, well, you know, but, he's a writer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is why he's never done another movie again yeah, yeah. since, or, or directed at least. Um, although I actually enjoyed Maximum Overdrive for what it is, but um, but yeah, um, the thing is, is that most Stephen King based movies are kind of just trash horror movies, going for that, going for that market. Yeah, just make a quick buck. Mm-hmm. Having his name attached is obviously like. It, it is a good you know yep. extra thing right um, I mean there is even like a big legal case about that with, oh, uh, yeah. with Lawnmower Man because That's right. you know 
they put out something that was literally had nothing to do with anything that Stephen King had done, and, yeah. but they put his name on it. And then well, and, he did write that short story, <laughs> and, and basically, like he went after them for the fact that it had nothing to do, and their kind of like defense. Uh, which was not successful, <laughs> but their sort of defense was that, oh, well, they thought that um, by like buying the movie rights that they were basically paying for the right to, the use, Stephen King to use his name, yeah. and they, they basically – they never intended to use the story. They they had this other thing about yeah. like virtual reality and all this, yeah, yeah. and they were just going to – they just wanted the Stephen King name mm-hmm. to like make money off of, of course, and that yeah. lies the problem, and so they had to remove his name, and they had to like go through – they you know pay all the stuff and so so I mean like it, it kind of ended on this big thing, um, so yeah don't do that. Yeah, um, <laughs> adaptions can be fairly loose sometimes, it, but having it be like deliberately nothing to do with it, it and just using the it's, name it's, to try to make money it's is why now bad like idea. so much of that stuff that has people's names attached to it, getting the person's name yeah. is. That is the winning. That is where you've won. like the Tom Clancy, yeah, like name. Like Tom Clancy hasn't had anything to do with his name on it yeah. in forever. But even you then, know, like, and, he, but there's still pe- a certain amount of like approval, you yeah. Know, where, like, uh, but but you know, like Tom Clancy's name is stuck on so much stuff that he probably doesn't even know exists. You know, like he has somebody that looks. Yeah, but after I'm sure that he stuff. has some sort of guidelines. Oh of, yeah, like, yeah, Of like yeah. you know, you can do this. You, you can't can do, do that. This, yeah, you can yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, Rob when Rob Reiner because he did um, Stand by Me and he mm-hmm. did this and then also he did um, he didn't do it but his company Castle Rock which is yeah. named after the this town from the Stephen King stuff so mm-hmm. obviously there was a close connection there, um, but uh, his his production company um, was behind the Needful Things film right. yeah. which is not that highly rated like it's got highly, like very it. mixed reviews i thought it was pretty good yeah. but in terms of as a it has a more kind of pre it definitely has a more premium feel it mm-hmm. feels like a real movie it has you got a really good cast of actors like you know people like ed harris and like really good actors in it and stuff like that so it's definitely doesn't while it may not necessarily be super well regarded critically it definitely doesn't belong in the same kind of trash heap as like yeah. a lot of the sort of stephen king adaptations that were just made to be like make a quick buck from like the horror fan market yeah you know um so so rob reiner you know i i like the fact that he kind of he approaches these things as um and the other one would be like frank darabont yes who did yeah. like green mile and the mist and mm-hmm. you know several other king stuff like those two directors like they i like the fact that they approach doing a stephen king adaption as like oh we're actually trying to make a good movie yeah, yeah and then you know and we're basing off of the Stephen King thing not just like oh we'll just make any trash that will make some money mm. and we'll just slap this Stephen King name on there to, to help make more money yeah you know um, they actually try to make like real movies with like a premium feel and a good cast and blah blah, blah which you can do you know you can kind of go either way you know because there is elements of both I mean there's definitely elements of that lowest common denominator horror trash in Stephen King's work. Yeah. He would admit it himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he he kind of he puts all those kind of elements together. Um, that you know, there's an element of that, but that's never the main thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's easy to, to concentrate on that stuff, and that's yeah. the easy way to make a movie. Out yeah, of that yeah. Stuff. And, and and that's not exclusive to Stephen King's work. Either, no, no, it's know, just that's, just an example because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what we're talking about. So, but uh, so, yeah, that so. is a that is a book to movie yeah. adaptation so, problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. So my fourth misery. Nice. I, I I'm I'm sorry that you weren't a big fan. No, no. Maybe you'll. I know give, it's. I'm aware. I'm aware of the the goodness of the film. Yeah. It's you know. All right. Yeah. So your three. Uh, so my three is um, 
bit of a different film than appears on this list or many other lists. Okay. Um, it's a documentary. It's a documentary. <laughs> um, that would be different. It could have been a documentary. Uh, and it's pre-woman. Oh, God. Well, there you go. Now we can do the reverse because I don't like Pretty Woman. You don't like Pretty Woman? No. Oh, I find this movie so uh, wonderfully charming. Yeah. And you uh, I, both Julia Roberts and Richard Gere, uh, they're just great. It's I should have known. And it's funny. And I, I love a good romantic comedy. Yeah. And this is right in there. And it has um, a bit of that old-fashioned romantic comedy feel. Oh, very much which, so. Which I know you like. Yeah. So. Um, it, yeah, it, it actually it does harken a bit more back to more like the the fifties stuff than kind of the stuff at the of uh, more of the era. Um, uh, I like the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it features a lot of like eighties uh, yeah, music yeah. and stuff. Uh, and it's it's I know it's not a brilliant movie. Um, no, I mean, a, I mean, hey, it's a, I mean it's well regarded. It, it's well regarded. I, it's has a lot of fame is like it. It's like one of the, I don't know. At the time, it was like the biggest uh, money maker as far as romantic comedies, like by a huge margin yeah. at that point. It was a bit um, of a phenomenon, yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, I just, it's, it is, it. I guess it sort of falls a little bit into the same category of Total Recall. Like, it's not a brilliant movie, but I just really, really like it. That's fair. Um, and it, it, it. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's the I fall in the category of that kind of movie where you're flipping channels, <laughs> flipping channels. Who does that anymore? But you know, in well, the case then, of, in, in the, in the past, '90s, in the past, we were. you know, and I would come across oh, Pretty Woman's playing. I just stop and watch it, like mm-hmm. regardless of where it is in the film, hmm. I just stop and watch it. Like it's just, it's just, yeah. All right, yeah. fair uh, enough. Yeah, no, it's uh, okay. Reversal here. It's not you didn't you didn't dig it. You don't really like it. No, no. Just I'm, I'm familiar with it. Like I've seen it in its entirety, and um, I I don't think it's bad. I just it's not for me. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just it's just not your not, not my your bag. Kind of thing. Yeah. It's not my bag. But, uh, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. It's I mean it's it is a it is very of its. But I'm picky. Genre. I'm picky. I'm picky about comedies, and I'm yeah. even more so picky about like romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really not my thing. But like, mm-hmm. there's a few. There's like a very very few I like. Mm-hmm. So no, no, no. It's absolutely that's, fair. That's yeah. probably more the reason than anything else. But uh, you know, I, not not a lot to say about this. I mean, pretty much, it, yeah. Much well, like it's pretty much everybody's seen it's, pretty yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. And it's yeah. hard to really say a lot when you know it's not really a conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I don't really. Have yeah, yeah. To no, say no, other no, than that, fine. I don't really like yeah. it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's just better. Yeah. yeah. So cool. uh, so yeah, my number three, Pretty Woman. All right, cool. Uh, my three, finally. Now that we're in the 90s, <laughs> things are opened up a bit. Yeah. I can talk about a film from one of my favorite directors um, that I haven't been able to get onto any other top fives because the 80s were just so jam-packed mm-hmm. um, that there's so many classic movies in the 80s, I just couldn't fit anything in. Yeah. Um, but now, 90s, we're opening things up because we're only doing – we're doing uh, a year per – or yeah. a year per list. Uh, so of course the director is David Lynch and the film is Wild at Heart Um, so Wild at Heart I have an odd uh, history with in Mm -hmm. a way uh, you know background with 
because um, it's one of those movies, and I, and there's a few movies that are like this for me, but it's one of those movies where when I th- when I haven't seen it in a long time and I like think about it, I'm like, yeah, it was okay, but it wasn't like it wasn't one of the best. That's how I remember. It was one yeah. of the lesser ones, you know, compared to some some of the other stuff and that. And then like when I see it, or when I really think about it, I'm like, wait a minute, no, but there's that really awesome thing, and then there's the other awesome thing. Oh, and then there's that whole kind of general. Oh, it was actually really good. Um, and I think that part of and I mean, I have that feeling about there's a number of movies that are like that uh, from, you know, different, uh, not really to, to a person or anything, just in general, um, where I don't see them for a long time. And then I think like, ah, it wasn't that good. Um, and then I realize, oh, wait, no, well, it's really good. Um, but I think also with Well at Heart, to some degree, uh, I have a little bit of that subconscious grudge against it that many people have, many Lynch fans have, where because it's the movie that he stepped back from Twin Peaks oh, to work on. Right. It's the one that he made while Twin Peaks was in production. And I know that like even like the cast of Twin Peaks and stuff, there was some resentment there of them sort of feeling a bit abandoned because when Lynch stepped back to make Wild at Heart, that's when kind of things kind of really went downhill with Twin Peaks because he wasn't there to kind of oversee it. Um, so... Um, I know that even like the Twin Peaks cast, you know, had a little bit of a, a bad feeling about that. And I feel like as a Lynch fan, there's a bit of that kind of like s- almost subconscious grudge of like, you know, like I like this film of at like all, screw but, while at heart because what, what this film costs. Yeah. Yeah. In terms it, of, it, made, you know, it yeah. made Twin Peaks not as good. So, yeah. but you know, but I mean, history is history. It is what it is. It happened the way it happened. Um, and in and of itself, it's actually really good. Um, you got, um, uh, Laura Dern returning from Blue Velvet, um, doing a character that is pretty much the exact opposite of her Blue Velvet character, so it really shows like her range. Um, and uh, we got Nicolas Cage, <laughs> yeah, which is like seems like a great match. Like you'd think, like Nicolas Cage in David Lynch film, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's got to be great because he's already kind of like weird and crazy yeah. and Lynch films the, are weird the crazy. Nicolas Cage and persona the fact, well solidified already by 1990 yeah. and the <laughs> fact that they didn't make any other films together because Lynch is known for working with the same people a lot yeah like over and over and the fact that this is the only Lynch film that that uh, Nicolas Cage did like I kind of wonder sometimes like did they not get along maybe or like or maybe maybe it's just like purely like just they did the one film and that was like the scheduling and the nothing ever really came up that worked to get together again who knows could have been maybe he just didn't feel none of his I mean you think about the movies that came after this yeah there there were no roles that he fit yeah I mean uh, I think there could have been yeah yeah. you know but anyways the point is is that you know it's just odd that you know you'd think it would be a great match And, um, and it was in this film but it's just odd that they never continued on with that um, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Um, oh, <laughs> shit, shit, shit. <coughs> what's the guy? <laughs> um, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. So, okay. Willem Dafoe, <laughs> and then Willem Dafoe is another one where, like, the way that Willem Dafoe often is in movies and stuff like that, you think like, oh yeah, that's a good match with like with with David Lynch. But again, like he didn't do any other David Lynch films, so um, this is kind of like a bit of an oddball one in a way. But on the other hand, it also kind of 
like solidifies a lot of the kind of real Lynchian mm-hmm. feel and Lynchian touches that that became like what he was really known for. Like if 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 uh, you know if Blue Velvet was kind of like the blueprint for the Lynchian style, Twin Peaks was kind of like the TVized version of it. Then this is kind of like the full kind of extreme flowering of that style. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a real messed up. It's probably like his, one of his most like twisted and just like, 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 oh, that's wrong kind of, (laughs) kind of movies. Uh, this is definitely, uh, a film I need to go back and watch. I remember so little of it. I mean, it's probably been 20 years. It's been a while for me. Um, and yeah, I like, I remember liking it. I remember being twisted and crazy. Yeah. Uh, but like. I have like a hard time, like even just pulling like any single scene from the movie to to, to mine, um, and it's well, it has it, like this weird like um, uh, it has this weird uh, Wizard of Oz influence, uh, and it's just yeah, it's really messed up. So yeah, yeah. well you should you should watch it. Yeah, I should I, I, sh- I should give it. A, I should a, watch, watch it again. again. It's been quite a few years for me yeah. too. So. Um, it is definitely it's one of those movies that you do see like come up all the time on recommended lists and stuff like that because as a you know this is a this is a good movie from this time period yeah Uh, yeah and And it's definitely uh, not for everyone like like a lot of sort of uh, Lynch stuff from that era especially Mm. Um, you know it's it's it takes a little you gotta kind of uh, go with it a little bit yeah uh, Yeah. it's, it's challenging it's challenging to a certain degree but yeah so number number three is Smile of the Heart. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, that's good. That I recall that being a good film. I really need to see it so, again. <laughs> no crossover yet. No crossover. And we're done yet. five, four, and three. So we yep. only have two and one left. No, two and one left. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, my my prediction Could, I about have a feeling uh, we me may have putting a film on my list. We may have zero crossover. We might have zero crossover. Uh, I had a, the film that I thought was going to be on your list may not be. Uh, my guess for that was before you, uh, your criteria of leaving off films that you liked but didn't say stand the test. Mm-hmm. So I, I we'll see, we'll yeah. see. But yeah, I'm interested now because now I'm starting to feel like maybe there'll be no crossover. Yeah, I'd, that'd be a first. Yeah, maybe I don't know if it'd be a first, first but, but it's definitely rare. Yeah, mm-hmm. very rare. Um, my number two mm-hmm. uh, is a film. Um, that we have talked about before. Like on a list? Like or on an episode, I mean? Uh, multiple episodes. It's come up in a top five. At least two, at least one top five. Oh. And it came up in an early episode of this podcast. And it's Back to the Future Part 3. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I, I don't have it for the same reason as I've explained many times before. Yeah. Of Because I, I, those, to me, those are like the trilogy and I can't... Sp- break them up it's, like that and so it's the reason i put it under like special mention special mention i did the same thing in the 80s with the other with the first two uh, it, i had originally left it off the mm-hmm. list yeah no that's fine well. I, I uh, because i was like it. well first off i was left it off because like well, we've talked about this movie yeah to death already absolutely um uh so let's keep going on it yeah. no uh but uh being how and especially after we had that big episode discussion where we just basically talked about the back to the future yeah, series. yeah, yeah. back to back uh, to the future yeah <laughs> I, um how like we both agreed that two not 
really a stellar film compared to one and three. Well, two is not as strong a movie, yeah. but it has a lot of like, it has a lot of, it has so much it's in so it. much in so it, it yeah. has like a lot of memorable elements mm. people always remember like oh when they go to the future yeah, and, yeah. and then you blah 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 and then you know there's the thing where they go back into the first movie and so you have like yeah. events coinc- you know taking place at the same time yeah. so there's a lot of clever stuff in two but it's they almost tried to do too much and it's not as strong overall of a yeah. movie but three is the one that often um, in past times often kind of got a bit overlooked yeah um, because people just are like, ah, oh, it's just a Western. Ah, the nothing really much happens. Uh, from but it's like really strong. Talking to people about it and just the sort of the, um, I don't say like the, I don't say the internet, but just sort of the general like public feeling I get from it. It's definitely like people, and I feel this exact same thing happened with Die Hard is people really like one and two <laughs> and then don't like three as much. Don't, and Don't get back on yeah, that subject. And, and I'm like, I think you're, oh, in both cases, you guys are misremembering <laughs> the second one. Yeah. And look, there's plenty of reasons not to like three. Um, it, it, but it's really strong. Though. It's super good. I mean, and it's, the, the biggest thing working against it is time the fact travel and western. Not the biggest combination, like not a combo you yeah. see a lot. The biggest thing working against it is it just has less like memorable kind of big things because they're not jumping around, making multiple jumps through time here and there and there yeah. and there alternate timelines going in the future blah 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 you know multiple copies of, of characters yeah, yeah. you know like all the really crazy stuff they did in 2 but when you go back and look at it it actually kind of weakens 2 in a way because there's like so much going on and it doesn't hold together well, that strong kind itself. of like that, that, that two whole, is like the gimmick 2 is much more of a gimmick yeah it's more versus, gimmicky yeah, yeah. and 2 is fine as a as the middle part of the Back to the Future trilogy taken as a whole mm-hmm. but if you're looking at it as individual movies and you're not worrying about like like oh it's a back to the future movie like three is great yeah. like it's a great well, like three, it's almost standalone three shares in a, sense. a lot more with one than say two does yeah because like it comes for a again, full circle there's like just like one they're not time traveling all over the no, place. no you, you have it's one trip back set, to that no, thing no. and then one trip back it's mostly home. set in the same setting yep uh and yeah no it's well, that, that's... It's just super fun. It's, yeah, It's yeah. a really great, you know... There's a great little uh, kind of uh, romantic comedy kind of subplot with... Um, I mean, it's almost more than a subplot. Mm-hmm. With with the with Doc Brown, with like, yeah. the Clara character, with Mary Steenburgen, who was great. Yeah. Um, uh, they they I, actually... I, she's a great actress. They, they wanted her. her to do it from the start, and she was basically their only choice. And they, they were like, they didn't know what they were going to do if she turned it down, because they were like... There's no backup. There's no one else. They were like, we have no one else in mind for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was apparently like her kids that like convinced, convinced her, her to do, do it. it because you know it was like Back to the Future movie, you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely that that was huge. Um, and you know, yeah, just westerns are fun. You know, I'm sure all the actors really enjoyed getting yeah. to do all this stuff. And but yeah, I mean, ultimately, what's great about it is that. It's great when you separate it from the fact that it's a Back mm-hmm. to the Future movie. It's still great yeah. because it's just, it's funny, it's fun, it's interesting. It has a lot of different things going on. It has, you know, it is actually quite surprising a good plot. when, like, like later on, or actually maybe right around that time, when you like you found out stuff like, oh, like two and three were filmed together simultaneously yeah. back. back. They feel so different. In some ways. You know, you're like... There's a lot of things that are get... set up in two that are paid off in three 
very oh, very yeah. tightly intertwined like but that. I mean just in terms of of overall like the sort of the, yeah. the feels of the movie you're like three feels like it was something that was filmed five years later yeah trying to make it's, up for the mistakes that they thought they made it too and, and it's and like that's, no literally that's they by were, design they were like Michael J. Fox would film a, a scene one in the morning and a scene from the other in the afternoon like, <clears> no no ridiculous. they were done they were done back to back to back they were all of two was filmed first and then oh really yeah. oh I thought I remember reading no, that he the would only, be moved from set to no, set no the only crossover oh, okay. was uh, the only crossover was that um, a lot of times um, uh, they were doing like editing and post-production on two while filming ah. three so a lot of times like they would have to um, like Robert Zemeckis would have to like basically get on like a private plane and like fly down uh, to like LA oversee something LA to look at you know an edit or, or some sort of or something some, yeah um, and then you so he was like not sleeping basically at yeah. all you know he'd, he'd get like a few minutes of sleep on the plane type of thing um, so but uh, but that's the only actual crossover um, but um yeah, they were they were filmed they were filmed back to back. Yeah. Hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my number two, Back to the Future three. It's come up many times. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's really time s- travel movies. Very strong. Came up on yeah, just sort of it's. Yeah. yeah. So your number two. Uh, my two. Uh, so I don't really have a special intro for this one like I do with the other ones. It's not. Bam! Tied, drop not, the movie name. It's not tied to a specific like director that i like or anything like that yeah um i guess the only thing kind of odd that i could say about it is it has um a very long title okay uh it's like a five word title okay uh, which is pretty long for movie titles um you mean like back to the future part three yeah that's a pretty long title too <laughs> five um, words <laughs> but uh well, one, one of six words a number technically true but um oddly enough though there is a connection well, back to the future part there is, yeah, no, 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 but you said six, and then I was oh, like, yeah, well, no, one no, of them no, no. was a number, yeah, yeah. But um, oddly enough, though, yeah. because of something that you said earlier, yeah. there is a connection oh, to okay. a name that you have mentioned, oh, okay. which is Tom Clancy, okay. because it's The Hunt for Red October, oh. uh, which Didn't was I, based on... Wow, this is one of those, like, boosh, out of the blue ones. <laughs> I had no idea you liked this film that much. It's crazy good. Oh, okay. It's amazing. Um, so uh, Hunt for Red October was actually... Tom Clancy's first novel, um, and this is probably like one of the earliest adaptations of a Clancy novel that have been made. Um, and it's first Jack Ryan uh, movie, um, and personally, I think Alec Baldwin plays Jack Ryan in this. I think he's the best Jack Ryan. Um, the Harrison Ford Jack Ryan stuff was good, but it got a little bit more into the area of kind of like the typical Harrison Ford action hero kind mm. of mold where like yeah he's really like in the especially in hunt for october like he's like just a cia analyst he's, yeah, like, yeah he's a desk guy, D- desk guy he's yeah, in yeah. way over his head you know and should not be here and and the fact of and what part of what makes the story really good is that because he's the only one who really understands what's going on he's sort of participating the whole way through but like he's in way over his depth technically like he's just He's just a peon, you know. He's just mm-hmm. a CIA desk jockey guy, but because he's so brilliant at his job and stuff, he's the only one who really, really knows what's going on. He kind of oh, he's, he's the only one. He, he's able to uh, put because there's so many bits of information, yeah, yeah. that no single person yeah. in the film has he's like enough kind of assemble. He's it able to together. assemble it all, yeah. and um, which leads to a lot of like, I mean, initially, like, kind of nobody 
yeah. leaves him yeah. because it's like, oh, come on well, now. The only <laughs> real sort of in that he has is that like he has a good relationship with his boss. Yeah. Like, that, his boss has known him for a long time, yeah. and he knows... And, to like trust him, yeah, yeah James yeah. Earl Jones. That's right, yeah. Plays his boss, and and he's he, he kind of trusts him. Hell of a cast in this film. Uh, yeah, obviously Sean Connery, yeah. and you know, um, sporting the worst Russian accent ever, meaning none, no accent whatsoever. Uh, it sounds just, Scottish. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, the best part, the best part is too that, um, his character is actually uh, Lithuanian. Oh right, uh, yeah. because it's when Lithuania was part of the the still part of the USSR, the, the Soviet yeah. Union. So he, he plays like the captain of, of the of the of the vessel of the of the submarine mm-hmm. right in October, but uh, yeah, and, and basically like their crew the crew is defecting, but no one really knows. So it's or you know because they're in this new like you know basically a prototype like crazy submarine. Um, so it's this whole thing of like, well, are we about to, is World War Three starting or yeah, like, what's yeah, going what's, on? Yeah, yeah. And so it's, there's, it's very like suspense and thrilling and blah, blah, blah. And it goes back and forth. So you get both perspectives of like what the Russian crew is going through as they make their way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the movie does something, gains huge points for me because uh, it does something that I really love, which is, um how it deals with the language issue yes which i always love it when movies to deal with language issues in interesting ways like this so what they have is at the very beginning when you have the russian crew you you hear all russian with it's subtitles, subtitled yeah and then there's a part where a character these two characters are having a are talking and uh it sort of goes in it kind of zooms in and he's speaking and then it kind of just sort of morphs into English, English yeah. and then it kind of pulls out again and then from that point on all the Russian crew stuff you hear in English yeah. because you know just to get that ease of like the drama and stuff mm-hmm. um, until the very end of the movie because you're seeing it essentially it when, puts whenever you, you're 100% with Russian crew it puts you yeah. into their perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. so of course you're hearing it in English because yeah. it's an English audience or English speaking audience so it's like it kind of puts you into their perspective it puts you into the mindset of like mm-hmm. where they would be but then at the end, when the American characters meet the Russian crew for the first time at the very, very end, um, it it goes back to the Russians all because speaking it, Russian, yeah. and we hear the Americans as English because you're back to their perspective yeah. now that they're meeting. Um, it is I, – I, I'm 100% with you. Like I thought it was really clever. I love it when they do stuff it was like neat. that. It is definitely one of those things where I feel like – you have to be so careful with how you do it. Yeah, that you don't just confuse I mean is, is like, like the standard movie yeah. going audience. Yeah, they're like they're like. Well, that's why they well, do. Like, well, like because it, it almost falls into that like, why didn't they just speak English with Russian accents yeah. the whole time? Right. And it just it's like you no, know, there's like a style. Yeah, to but this it's the way that, that they yeah. show the transition yeah, is what yeah. make what sells it. Yeah. Because um, they make it really obvious what's happening. Um, but yeah, I love when movies do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I love like um, it's a movie that we haven't really talked about, but. I always wanted to talk about was like in Thirteenth um, Warrior. They do a really oh, good job about that because yes. it's got where he's meeting the 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 Vikings mm-hmm. and they have the whole thing where initially they're all speaking like Norse and he doesn't understand them, yeah. and then over the course of he starts learning their language and so slowly bits of English words start popping in until mm-hmm. eventually it's all fully translated for us as a yeah. viewer. Yeah. Um, because we're seeing it from the perspective of the main character who's slowly learning their language. I love it when movies do mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, yeah. like just. I've I've even seen the the where they subtitle the 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 
you know, whoever's not speaking the language that you're supposed to understand is the, the, yeah. the viewer. And but it's partial subtitles, and then as the movie goes on, in the oh. similar way, oh, you as more. the movie goes on, the right. subtitles fill in more and more right, and more. Right. So to start, it's somebody will say something, you don't understand. but it'll just literally be like dot 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 one word right. dot 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 enough that you get the gist yeah, yeah. but not enough that you and yeah. and then of course and as the movie goes on the, the, the main characters start to progress progressively um, more and more react because the you know y- y- the, the English speaking characters act the same way towards it as the viewer does only understanding a bit of what's going on yeah and, yeah, and, yeah you know yeah. but uh, no yeah. clever so, yeah. clever stuff with language in films is, I love is that always stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah Humphrey October is great it's really good like Thriller. Super tense action. Thr- uh, um, I, I can say it's a bit actiony. There's a little times, bit, but not know? not very much. No. It, a spy it's thriller where like, it's yeah. needed. Yeah, 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 yeah. spy thriller, um, intrigue and mm-hmm. political stuff, and really good acting. Yeah, um, really good plot, um, and yeah, just in that very, very Tom Clancy like. Uh, I like it a lot more. Like, like that's like. This is this is not. Yesterday, this is tomorrow, and this might be happening right now. Yeah, kind of. Well, then, yeah, yeah, not the, so much the, now. No, obviously not now. But yeah, the Cold War era. Cold War era. Although I guess it's fallout, like right at the, the very fall, end. Fallout. It's well, because I mean, that was sort of the movie was about. It was yeah. the fallout of exactly. the Cold War. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, in a way, like, um, accidentally pre-loading. Uh, you know how things eventually turned out with you know the breakup of the USSR and all that. Like this movie, sort of show like was uh, was this movie. Well, it was sort of happening at, at the, the time. But, like, like this was... movie, like immediately it 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 it's, it's even though it was his first timely. book, it was yeah. too current. Well, I don't for know its when the book good. came out, so I yeah, don't well, know that's how much. That's the thing. It, it I'm not sure which how makes much. it actually even more interesting in a way that like like this movie like you usually you don't get a film that's fictional but also way too accurate to yeah, what's to, and to very current rele- events and very relevant yeah, to yeah, the yeah, current yeah. events that are happening at the time yeah but yeah uh it did not make my list but it was in my also rants yeah. uh i do like the hunt for red october it's amazing yeah and, and uh unlike a lot of the other stuff on these lists um it's one that i've seen quite a lot more recently mm. like recently enough like i've seen it on blu-ray oh oh wow so, nice uh, i don't own it myself yeah, it's, it's, but... it's been a few years not, not a ton i've probably and, seen uh, the last yeah, decade it's, but, it's, yeah. and it and i was just reminded it was reminded like when i saw it like it was maybe within the last year or two and when i saw it it was just reminded me like oh wow like this is really good it's even better than i remember it being uh, all right so that's your number two mm-hmm. number two hunt for october mm-hmm. all right uh my number one. Yep. Uh, comedy film. Okay. Film. Uh, I didn't see it at the time. Okay. Came out of nowhere. Saw it on a whim. Super enjoyed it. And I've seen it many times since then. My Blue Heaven. <laughs> With yeah, okay. S- uh, Rick Moranis and Steve Martin. Um, uh, a duo that uh, were in other films together. Um just it's a film that just like it's I guess in a way it's sort of similar to Pretty Woman and it just it just I enjoy watching it it's mm-hmm. it's funny um it's kind of dumb like Steve Martin playing 
an Italian mobster is. What's wrong with that? Yeah, 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 yeah. With no, the bad a, accent and the, 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 the yeah, um, and uh, it's it's one of those films you watch and I feel good while watching it and I feel good after watching it. Yeah. Um, I think it's a quite underknown film. Um, I don't know a lot of people that know of this movie. Um, it is, I mean, it is real, just, it is just a comedy and comedies usually don't make it like that high on, you know, top fives in general. Um, but, well, because of the nature of this, uh, nineties things that we're doing, I think there's going to be a lot more comedies yeah. coming, coming up. Yeah. Uh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Preview. <laughs> Preview. Spoiler. Uh, spoilers. Yeah. Um, Not so much on this, this list. But this list. Yeah. I, yeah. As we go through. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess Pretty Woman's kind of like a romantic comedy. And then Norm's Crossing is not a. Not <laughs> no, a definitely. Coen Brothers comedy. sometimes associated with comedy, but not in this Well, place. they make comedies. They make comedies. They make it, that's because that, they make every genre. Not that one. No. Not that one. That's not no. a comedy. I mean, there's slightly, there is some funny things. Of course, in there, but, but like they, in the same way that there's funny things yeah. in most movies. Um, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, my blue heaven's awesome. I love it. Yeah, I know uh, you. I know you. you really it would it. it would be like, uh, you know, the next one down kind yeah. of thing. Like it would be on. It was definitely. It was on my short list. It yeah. was on my list of things to consider for the for mm-hmm. the list. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just it didn't quite make it on uh, the five, but it uh, it's it's awesome. It's so, um, you know, I. I I love Rick Moranis as yeah. an actor and you know it's it is like it's a shame that we you know he didn't continue <clears throat> like he, he retired but be, the reasons for him retiring yeah. are like so valid yeah absolutely like I mean you know not that you know crap on anybody's reasons for wanting to retire but yeah. his are above and beyond but, it, but his like, was he, his his situation wasn't just like I don't really feel like acting yeah anymore. yeah exactly that was definitely it was not so above situation. and beyond like it was just like his his reasons for retiring were the they were the right reasons. Yeah, like for sure. the, the, there was no alternative really there, yep. which is fine. Yeah. Um. And so, and he's, you know, as almost always, he plays the straight man to, yeah. you know, in this case, Steve Martin's wacky, you know, way over the top. Yeah. yeah. Uh, offensive. A podcast, borderline, probably offensive. Pretty but offensive. Done in a way. No, I don't mean offensive. Like in terms of. Um, the nature of the character. I mean, just like the character himself. Oh, the character. Oh, yes, yes. Offensive he, to he, other people. Other people. Yeah, yeah like yeah. he's he's like way too like in your face, like boisterous, like you know. Yeah, you trying to say capiche? The way you say it hurts my ears. <laughs> you know, uh, and um, it's a oh, the genre is one that very much was popular around that time of the. I mean, Rick Moranis plays the straight FBI well, sort of agent, mismatch. exactly. Yeah. Who has to play? Who yeah. has to basically more or less team up with yeah. the the you know? It's, it's another variation it's on 48 the odd hours or and, yeah. yeah, the odd like it's a you know it's a, it is that you know um, just the mismatch. Uh, yeah, the mismatch. Yeah. The uh, play each side is playing you know. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, it, that's really good though. Yeah, no, I. It is a movie that it's a, a movie that brings me joy to watch. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just a brilliant. It's very light, um, and yeah, I didn't see it till till I think much probably a number of years later. Well, it couldn't have been and, too much later because I remember we used to talk about it all the time. Yeah, yeah. So. And again, it was like a fluke thing just to see it. I you know I under you know, I can't think of what circumstances I would have been like. Oh yeah, that's 
is what <laughs> I'm going to see. And then, you know, maybe it was on TV or something. And I was just like, this is... That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Heavily edited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah, comedy of its era. Um, so, you know, probably rated R. <laughs> Like very, most likely, very, most likely. Yeah, very um, but uh, uh, does a good, yeah, just does a good job of of uh, uh, making each of the, both of the characters very unique while allowing them to play the comedy role with each yeah. other. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, so I mean, it's a comedy, so you don't want to say too much about it because you know. But yeah, I really like my. Blue <laughs> don't want to just like list all the jokes. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's the <laughs> hardest part about talking with comedies. It's like, it's like it's really funny. Trust me, if I tell you the jokes, you won't have a reason to watch it. Yeah. You know, um, I in fact, in fact in preparation for um this list, I went back in a lot of these films because a number of these films, uh, I know I remember liking them, but I hadn't seen them in quite some time. So I went back yeah. and watched a lot of trailers. Yeah. And um, uh, this is one of those trailers where. Uh, maybe shows a few too many jokes and maybe maybe could have been 30 seconds shorter and left a little to the you know um, but on the flip side I saw many trailers that were uh, like wow that trailer's as as we get a little more into the 90s happens seemed to, a little more in the 90s and, and then start happening less into the jazz that trailer is very misrepresentative of what this kind of movie is I mean None of them were the gunman trailer, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. um, classic, classic trailer manip- uh, manipulation. Where it's of, just straight up lies. Yeah. Like yeah it literally just says stuff. The that only thing they got right were the not... actor's names yeah. and the name of the movie. <laughs> yeah. The, the only way that trailer could have been even less representative is if it showed scenes from another film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but right. yeah. yeah. So yeah, my number one, My Blue Heaven. Okay, cool. So, what's your number one? My number one. Uh, my number one is um, one of my favorite movies ever. Um, the movie that I've seen more times than any other movie. Um, so there really was. Mm. It really wouldn't make sense to have anyone else, anything else, be my number one. Um, it's uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, first one, uh, which is ironic because. It's the only one that I really like. It, it's the only it's, good one. Well, it's the only good one in my opinion as well. But my point is, is that like a lot of people, you know, might be like, I think it really depends on how old you are. I, because likely. the second film, from all that I've heard, have you never seen it? Well, I've never seen it from start to finish. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of parts from it. But here's the thing: from it's like every- a bad adaptation of a cartoon. But here's the thing: is like from everything that I've heard, if you were like a kid, like a really little kid, then, uh, it like who liked you know the cartoon and things like that, it was quite well done for what it was. Yeah. But the thing is, is for me, it's really all just about that first one because, um, I was never really that into the cartoon that much even because, uh, with um, by the time that it came out, like the the, the show started eighty seven. Yeah. Um, and by that point, I was already reading like the original comics. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, probably maybe a bit too young to be reading them, really, but I was. Yeah. Um, and they are more, like, dark and, you know, they're, well, it was kind of like a takeoff from the whole kind of, like, gritty, dark comic thing of the 80s. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, because just the ridiculousness of, like, oh, they're, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> so it's just, it seems like such a ridiculous idea, but then they put it in this, like, straight-faced, deadly, dark, serious yeah. 
storyline, well, like martial arts stories. I'm talking about the early, like the, oh, the early comics. Oh, the comics. Oh, yeah. I was going right? to say that. <laughs> um, the movie is much more Tim Burton's Batman to... <laughs> but, but the point being yeah, that, yeah. like... That that was a deliberate thing that yeah. they were doing for deliberately satirical purposes. Yes, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that they were basically doing a takeoff on the whole kind of like gritty movement in mm-hmm. comics at the time. Um, but 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 it was a um, but it was a loving lovingly done. Like they, yeah, yeah. it was they liked that stuff. Like they were big fans of like you know the early like Frank Miller stuff, which is it was heavily influenced by um, basically Daredevil and Frank Miller's work on Daredevil, Daredevil and yeah, Ronin, yeah. the the independent series Ronin that. Uh, Frank Miller did, um, so it was all that kind of ninja and samurai type stuff, uh, and the martial arts kind of stuff, um, but with them being Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, so when they made the film, um, what I think is so great about that first movie is the balance that they struck between the fact that it was made by people that clearly were very familiar with the actual early comics. Yeah, because the plot is extremely faithful and there's like literally scenes that are like you could almost put side by side with the source material mm-hmm. and they're like perfect yeah like it's very 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 faithful to the to that um but at the same time they knew that they had this huge audience of kids that liked Ninja Turtles from the cartoon and from right. all the marketing, you know, the merchandising and all that stuff that had been a huge thing. So they found this great middle ground where they could have things like, you know, having them have the multicolored bandanas and stuff from the cartoon and, you know, yeah. a little bit more of the humor and a little bit more of the sort of like wackiness. Um, but they kind of kept a good kind of lid on it and sort of they kept it always having actual stakes and, you know, relatively serious in terms of the actual um content of the story um that being said like it is hilarious like it's one of the most quotable movies like ever in terms of like i mean of course i've seen it so many times so i mean i know it better than the average person obviously but like like it's like line after line after line after line after line it's just crazy like yeah it's so amazing like i like i i constantly quote from it like almost every day um you know it comes up at one time or another to some degree um and uh it's so well done like the 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 suit effects like the because um the it's the um jim henson company yeah did like the suits and all the animatronics and everything and that was again something that it's they started so amazing in that first one and then they went got worse and worse as they went like the third one like looks it looks bad you can't even look at like it's so bad um, so I mean, like it, that. It, I don't know what happened. It's just another one of those franchises, like uh, Superman, like I'm Batman, see, like exactly. like every other of these big franchises that starts really strong, and they just like what happened? Yeah, like yeah. they just they go to hell so quickly. Uh yeah, probably like less money invested, more well, of return course. wanted. Yeah, I've, although I've, although probably the budget on the they feel probably like did go up. It's but... like they feel like they can get away with yeah. like like oh well, people are very fans of it, so we can like we yeah. can put less into it, and it's like yeah. less effort into it. It's like yeah. no, like like keep it good, and people will follow. You know, yeah. like look at like what Marvel and stuff is doing now. Like they've yeah. totally they really understand that like. Keep that. Well, you don't see that anymore. Up. You just you don't keep see that, that happening as much anymore. Yeah. That that the first one is your big hit, mm-hmm. and then you churn out a bunch of sequels. Yeah. Uh, 
based maybe it's just because they felt like it was going to be diminishing returns anyway and they figure it might as well cut their their costs yeah. Yeah, i don't yeah, know yeah. But it's no like look. We know we can make money on this. Yeah, you know. It's, it's, so yeah. so I really could not care less about any of the other ones that were done. Yeah. But the first one, so amazing. It's one it's, of the uh, best ever. Yeah. So entertaining. Everything's just like done basically perfectly. I don't know how they found such a perfect balance between like the the kind of the the, the silliness and the mm-hmm. and the serious, but they did. Um, it it looks amazing. It was the when it came out uh, or that year in nineteen ninety. It became it was the highest grossing independent film of all time. Wow! At, up to that point, yeah, because um, it did not come from like a, main, that's a right. major studio. That's right. It was yeah. an independent film, which amazing. It's only that they were able to all time get the kind of um, um, technical support on that film, considering yeah. that. Um, you know? Yeah, and uh, I I used to count. The times that I watched it, I stopped counting after fifty. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously slowed down a lot more in recent, more recent years. When there's, you know, I've been watching a lot of other things and stuff. So, I mean, if I had to venture a guess, I'd say I'd see maybe like around sixty times yeah, somewhere yeah. in there, which is a lot of times to watch one movie. Um, but you know, uh, the bulk of those obviously were in the young, younger, in younger days. Um. And uh, I just I love it so much. Mm-hmm. I, I know your love of, of Ninja Charles. I I assumed it was going to be your number one. Uh, yeah. I guess yeah. it's right up there as amongst my all time favorite mm-hmm. movies for sure. No question about it. Yeah, it's good fun. Yeah. It's real good fun. Uh, yeah, like you said, very quotable. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. It's that um, property has a very interesting. Uh, roller coaster of a yeah. history associated yeah. with it. Which is- well, and again, I think a lot of it depends on your age. Like, if you're even like two or three years younger than us, mm-hmm. you probably got into it through the cartoon. Yeah, and your experience of uh, being- and vice versa. If you're years older, yeah, it's kiddie stuff. Yeah. You never would have so, seen it. At the so, time, I mean, you if know. you got into it through the cartoon, I could definitely see like that would be a thing. Like, I know, like the latest movie that came out of like these new oh, like yeah, the yeah. sort of rebooted ones has a lot more influence from the cartoon like they brought in like Bebop and Rocksteady and well I mean Rock. they were in the second one they were in the second original one as well no uh, no they weren't yes they were no they weren't that's what people often think that it was Toka and Razor, which were two oh. totally different monsters fair enough but they were the stand-ins for Bebop and Rocksteady yeah but the point <laughs> is is that yeah. they finally did a movie with yeah. like Bebop Rocksteady Crane. who have been who have hilariously been part of it like for so yeah, long you know krang yeah. and the whole dimension yeah. x thing which is all cartoon stuff yeah. none of that was ever in the comics yeah. um and so for like people who grew up uh really being into the cartoon and being of that mm-hmm. age i could see like things like that like being like oh yeah that's pretty cool yeah. but like for me like i it doesn't do anything for me because i have no like i have no um i mean i watched the cartoon but I watched it. Here. I was under no illusions yeah. as to. I watched it here and there. The I certainly quality of the I, I certainly didn't watch every episode of for ten seasons. Yeah, yeah. Which is how long it ran. Which, I mean, clearly they had something there for yeah. ten seasons. Yeah. <laughs> um. But um. Yeah. But for me, it was the this first movie, this first live action movie, was kind of the last hurrah of like, if they'd come out any later, I would have been too old to care. Yeah. If it had come out any earlier. You know, it, it would have been... Well, I guess it would have been okay, but, like, if it had come out much earlier, then I just wouldn't even have been... 
like I would have been too young for it. Yeah. And if it come up any later, I would have been too old for it. Yeah. It just came out at the perfect time. Uh, I saw it in the theater. Um, I loved it then. And then I watched it many, 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 many more times since. And it is still amazing. Yeah. But it's Excellent. the only one that I care anything about. The rest of them are all crap. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so, wrap up here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, want to just run through our top fives? Sure. Um, you, well, you oh, yeah. Sure. So, uh, my number five is Miller's Crossing. My number four is Total Recall. My number three is Pretty Woman. My number two is Back to the Future Part Three. And my number one is Blue Heaven. My, my, blue my, my blue heaven. So. Well, you certainly have a good uh, variety. I mean, I guess yeah. I, I do yeah, too. Yeah, no, kind no, of yours is to, to a degree. But yeah, no, yours is quite. Right, so my five was Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. My four was Misery. My three was Wild at Heart. My two was The Hunt for Red October, and my one was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that is. I mean, there is ten, ten movies from nineteen ninety, yeah. which, I mean in some way defined that year quite well uh yeah i don't know, think we've left out any real key ones as um semi also like good, goodfellas which is a good movie but Dances i was with never a big fan Dances i like dance i like dance with wolves yeah um air america i enjoyed that it's a bit, bit of a I bit of never, a minor mood yeah i was never really um, i like memphis bell memphis bell i do remember that uh, I, I remember enjoying that the movie i thought was going to be on your list but wasn't dark man because I know you like Dark Dark Man falls into the same sort of category as like Total Recall. Total Recall, yeah. Very yeah, yeah. good, very entertaining, but very flawed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have I, not seen I, it. I do love it, though. Yeah. I have not seen it. I wanted, I wanted it on there. <laughs> yeah. But, but I couldn't, just couldn't figure fit out it. where to put it, where I wouldn't be eliminating something that I feel is, te- more, is technically better, better than yeah. it. But yeah, I love Dark Man. And I'm, then, I'm glad you mentioned it. Like I said, uh, that Hunt for Red October. Yeah. And uh, King of New York. Okay, yeah. No. Which I did, again, it's that's one of those ones like retroactively. I, that I've is a ninety seen, film. I've never seen it. That is a nineties film that I really like, but I only saw it about ten years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I've, was, I've actually never seen uh, it. Early Christopher Walken yeah. film, Abel, Abel where Ferreira. he plays a monster. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm aware of it, but I've yeah. never actually seen it. But yeah. So uh, thank you everyone for uh, tuning in this week and listening to our top five yes. of the 1990 and. <laughs> Uh, next week, we will be returning with our top five of 1991. Of the 1991. Of the 1991. Yeah. Uh, until then, I'm Chris. This is Emmett. Cheers. Bye-bye.